0: Good morning, everybody. are you excited? This morning, we get to celebrate the King of Kings. We get to worship the one who created us. We get to worship the one who put the stars in place. We get to worship the one who created everything for his glory. And then we're just going to jump right in. So Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you're the King of Kings. I thank you that you see all, you know all, and you are good above all. And so God, as we come together as family, as we worship your name, as we praise, we invite you to come and move, to have your way as we turn our hearts and our mind to you in Jesus' name. So stand with us as we worship the King of Kings.
1: We're going to declare that a little more here in a second. But I just felt this morning that as we're in the middle of this, that for some of us, it's those thoughts that creep back in of, but he hasn't fully been faithful. There are things going on in my journey. There are hardships. There are pains. I'm going to tell you, Jesus is not the orchestrator of your pains. He's not the orchestrator of your hardships. He's not the orchestrator of your demise. That's not who he is, but he is the solution to all of that. And so as we come into the house of God, it's the reminder that he's not the one who inflicts this upon you. He's the one who can take it away from you. And our response is this. We come before him. We just come before him and we declare, as we've been doing, that he is good. We declare that he is faithful. We declare the truth and we do not side with the enemy. Drew came up to me a little earlier and he said, you know what, I feel like God's just trying to bring people up. And for some people it's hard. How do I get up there? How do I get up to the mountain? And he had this image, it was almost like God just sitting there. And he's inviting people just to sit on his lap. And just to sing over them. To sing freedom, like Ben's doing right now. To sing faithfulness, like the worship team's leading us right now. This is available. This is in front of us. Do we believe that as a church? This is in front of you. If we're willing to go forward, to declare the truth, to stand in the truth, to walk in the truth, to sing the truth. No doubt, we're going in that direction because that's the solution. So as we go back into this, if you're struggling, declare the truth. Declare the words. Say he is faithful. Don't allow your doubt to take over your mind. Yeah, let's go.
0: There is a call, and one of the most destructive things when it comes to God's promises is that we want to do it our way. The most destructive thing that we can do is say, God, you gave me this promise, but give it to me on my timeline. <laughs> and when we do that, we actually get in the way. In two weeks, I'm going to have a baby. And that is a 25-year prayer. That if I had given up years ago, I wouldn't have seen the promises of God. God. And I feel like God is saying to all of us in this room that if you want to see my promises, you need to give up your timeline. You need to lay down what you think is right. You need to lay down the, 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 the way that you think it needs to be. And as the worship team sings this, as we sing this together, I feel like there's a call to lay down what you are thinking God needs to do. Whether that's a timeline, whether there's someone in your life that you think they need to do something a certain way, whether you feel like, you know what, I have to do these three things and then God will bless me. Lay it all down this morning as we push in for this last few minutes. Lay down whatever it is that you've been holding on to. Lay down whatever it is you think needs to happen and just lay that down. Give it to God and say, God, it's your timeline. God, you work in generations. You don't work in weeks. You work in generations. And so, God, whatever your plan is, whatever your timeline is, whatever your promise is, I lay down my stuff. And I say, God, you have your way.
1: Well, I feel like God's taking us on a journey this morning. We're going in a certain direction, and we're going to keep going in that direction. It's just going to look a little different now. We're going to shift from what he's saying in the worship time to what he's going to say through the word. Wasn't it amazing what Paul just shared? Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: 25 years thinking something was not possible, but refusing to align with a lie, refusing to align with the one who wants to breathe doubts into your heart every single day, right now at this moment, that's what he does, but we're going to say no to that. And we're going to go on this journey with him. Thank you, Lord. Got to love Paul. How we doing, church? Some of you look good. Some of you still waking up, right? Yeah. Let's look around. You know, I've seen a lot of new people today. That's awesome. We're so excited that you guys are here with us to join with us today as we worship our King. But I just feel like God wants to take us on a journey today. And it's no fluke that he brought you here today, if this is your first time, your second time, or your 500th time. I think God's got a plan today, and I'm going to tell you, I think he's, uh, I don't even know if I want to use the word challenging our faith. He's actually just trying to grow our faith. And I feel like the solution to most of our issues and our problems is faith, right? And so I'm going to explore that for a little bit today. And I have about four people that are going to help me with this message. Uh, We got four testimonies that are going to come today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we should be excited about testimonies, right? Testimonies are so valuable to our journey, so valuable to encouraging us to go forward, especially for those that are in the house today that might be a little down. I'm going to tell you the Lord's about to, I think, shake some of us, wake some of us up, remind us who He is, and say, no, 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 let's not sit there. Let's get back up and go forward, because we got a lot to do. we got a lot of people away today, too. We've got a lot of people here, too, which is good. So this morning, I'm going to touch on faith, and I'm going to try to go fast, because I want to give time for all these testimonies. we got some good testimonies coming up. I am fully believing for a massive shift in our community. I'm actually believing not just for salvation, but I'm believing that we're going to see healings take place in our community. We've often said that we're a cancer-free zone, and Random probably is going to talk a little bit about that in a bit. But, you know, I believe we're going to be an addictions-free zone. I feel like God is putting his hand on addictions in this community I feel like he has put people in our life for a reason, right? So I feel like we have a servant back here working with a homeless for a reason, and it's not just to take care of our homeless people. It's to see them set free from their addictions, their pains, and their hurts. We're going to hear a testimony of someone else that has gotten free of addiction, right? And we're excited about that. And these testimonies have to be shared. It's so important, yeah. right? Testimonies of healing in the family, right? Yeah. Because some of us are saying, you know, we got some stuff going on in our family. And we haven't seen it. Paul said, it's not your timeline. It's his. Yeah. He's going to do what he does, yeah. right? But he's going to do something. Yeah. That's just what he does. Yeah. You know, a couple of weeks back, I spoke about David and Goliath, and I talked a lot about, you know, shaping our crafts, molding our crafts, But one of the things I alluded alluded to in that message was that when David went to fight Goliath, he didn't go walking, right? He went running into battle. And he went running into battle because he had faith. Right? He went in the name of the Lord, right? And this is exactly what I feel like the Lord's trying to do and he's trying to shift. All this stuff we've been believing for for years is actually available if we actually move into that realm. Right? You know, Scripture talks about this a lot, you know, and I'm going to talk about different types of faith for a little bit here too, right? Because I think, I think there's multiple kinds of faith. I think there's blind faith. I think there's little faith. I think there's amazing faith. And I think there's no faith, right? right? You know, I was just reading this one scripture again in Matthew 13:38, And it says, uh, and he did not do many miracles because of their lack of faith. Do you know that there are communities that lack faith? Right? Churches that lack faith and certain things can't happen if there isn't faith. And so that's where God wants to point his finger to certain things and say, this is the issue. It's not that I don't move anymore because that's the thing we want to agree with. Yeah. He just doesn't do that today even to the point where churches have shifted and said healing was for the past. Now healing is for now. Yeah. But it's all part of faith, right? It's the whole thing is where is our faith at? And if our faith isn't in a good place, what are we doing at this time, right? You know, I was thinking about blind faith a little bit. (laughs) I think we've all experienced blind faith, right? My stepdad experienced blind faith. I know that for a fact. You know, I remember when I was 16 years old, I asked him something because I just got my license, right? I said, man... I love that 4x4 truck. Would you just let me take it out with all my buddies today so we can go out, just drive around, you know, because I wanted to get on the road? And my stepdad looked at me and said, absolutely, I think that's great. Yeah, go for a ride in the truck. I know you just got your license. That's a great idea. Is it really? (laughs) Sending four boys in a 4x4 truck, right? Well, you know what happened. I just couldn't resist, right? The temptation was too strong. Right? It's four by four. It's meant to do things. So I did try to do a few things, and when I came back, I had to go sit down as my stepdad was watching a movie. He said, how'd it go? I said, oh, it went great. And I had to start to get ready to share the news with them, right? Any parents have those messages where your kids come in, and it's like, what's going on here? (laughs) You know they're about to deliver the news, right? And the news is, well... I think I got a flat tire, right? That's all I thought I did. My step, oh, okay, let's go check it out. So we go back outside, and we look, and we see a shock hanging, and he found, finds out I broke four out of five leaf springs. I mean, that's blind faith, folks. Why would you trust a 16-year-old boy to do that? I mean, now, for some of us, we can move into that other side, too. I think there's, how many moms here remember the first time, right, like after you had your little baby? And you had to get a babysitter. (laughs) You know what blind faith does? Blind faith says, I'm gonna get my 16-year-old son to take care of my newborn daughter. Right? That that's what my mom did as well with me, because there's quite an age gap, right, between me and my younger sisters. Right? And of course, as a 16-year-old boy, what do you do when a kid just keeps crying and crying and crying? What do you do? Joel's doing this. No, you don't do that. All right, we may need to talk to him right away because he's got young kids. We definitely don't do that one. I did not do that. I was tempted to do that, right? Now, now he's doing this one, right? I'm telling you, I did what every kid would do. I just put her in her room, shut the door, and said that should solve the problem, right? Mm, that doesn't really work. Phoned a friend to come and change her diaper because I absolutely refused. Blind faith. But some of you had wisdom because I would say this. I would say most of you, right, you probably asked your parents to take care of your newborn, right? Why? Because you fully have trust in them, right? You have amazing faith all of a sudden when it comes to your parents because you know them. You've been with them. You've seen them. Full trust. Then there's no faith, right? I don't know if any of you ever heard this story, (laughs) There's was an actress, who very rich actress, and uh, she made a decision one day. She said, you know, because she had cooks and all that stuff, she never cooked a meal, actually, in her life. And so she was home with her family, her husband and her kids, and she said, uh, I'm going to cook a turkey tonight, you guys. Right? And they're all kind of looking at her like, what? You've never, you never cook. She's like, no, I'm going to cook a turkey tonight, but here's the deal. If I cook this turkey, right, when we're sitting at the table, and if this turkey tastes bad, I don't want anybody saying a word. All we're going to do is we're simply going to get up from the table, we're going to go put our coats on, we're going to put our boots on, and we're going to go to a restaurant and eat. Does everybody agree to that? Everybody agreed to it. So she goes in the kitchen and she cooks the turkey. She gets the turkey all ready. She's got it on the platter. She walks out to the table to put the turkey on the platter, Well, there's dad and the sons with the coats on and the boots on. (laughs) Well, that might be no faith, (laughs) right? And I'm going to actually challenge us a little bit on that one because I would venture to say this, and I know it doesn't feel good to say it, but I think there's some truth to it, is some of us, when it comes to Jesus, we've actually put our coats and our boots on already. There's something inside of us where we've made this decision, this, I don't know, we just agreed with something. And again, I alluded to this already of the denominations, and this is a hard one for me when I see my brothers and my sisters saying, This isn't for today, because that's just a way of us saying, This makes me feel better about my king. He just doesn't do this today. No, he still does this today. So there's a temptation within us, and we've done this. I've done this, right? I've got my coat and my boots on before I've actually even gone forward in this because I'm not believing he's going to do anything about it. Well, the scripture I want to go into today is it's in Luke. It's actually in a few chapters, right? It's in Luke 7, 1 to 10. And it's over in uh, Matthew 8, 5 to 14. And I want to talk about two specific scriptures that I hope will motivate us a little bit to understand who our king is when it comes to this journey of faith, right? And I want to talk about one specific individual. Many of us probably know this story, but I know there are people that have no clue about this story in here today, too. So, Derek, you'll be a little disappointed, but I'm using the NIV today. And we're going to read this journey. He loves, is it New King James or King James? It's one of those, right? No comments. I don't know what he likes. Maybe it's the situagant. I'm not sure, right? It's something out there. But I want to read this because I think there are a couple lessons we get to grab onto today when it comes to faith, right? And so we're just going to hear what the Word says. And so Luke 7, 1 to 10, I'm going to read this to you guys. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all this, he went back to Capernaum. Now the, highly, now the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish leaders to ask him to come and to heal his slave. So just to understand what's going on, we've got a Roman centurion, right? Someone who's in charge of quite a few people that is actually asking You know, some people to go talk to a Jewish person to come and to heal, which in some ways doesn't make any sense, right? But this is the circumstance and the situation that's taken place. And it says, So they earnestly begged Jesus to come with them and help the man. If anyone deserves your help, it is he, they said, for he loves the Jews and even built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them. But just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends. (laughs) I think this is amazing. So he sends some people to go and get him, to bring him back. And while they're on their way back, he sends some more people out to go and say, don't come all the way. And here's why. He says, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my house, for I am not worthy of such an honor. I am not even worthy to come and meet you just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. That's a pretty powerful statement. Right? We really got to think about that. Right? I know because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come and I say to my slaves do this or do that they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all the land of Israel. Think about that right there. Mm -hmm. And when the officer's friend returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. I I just, I don't know if we see how powerful this is. Right? He literally stops them on the journey. Don't come all the way. I'm not worthy. This man was a humble man. And I believe that faith and humility go hand in hand. This man had humility. He understood who this person was. To the point where he realized how much sin and how unworthy he was. That's all of us. We're unworthy. But he also had faith faith so great to say you don't even need to come here to do this you can do this right where you're at right now from the location you're at you can heal him. and of course jesus healed him. i think this is a great lesson for the church yeah. you know we don't see jesus in the flesh right we don't And so there is this element of doubt that wants to come inside of us. Let me declare something to you. This scripture right here is to teach us about the power of our king. The power of Jesus Christ. That he does not have to be here in the flesh. Right? But he can actually heal all of your issues, all of your problems. It's amazing we went in the direction we went today. Because he's trying to shift something right now. He's trying to get you to understand who he is. And who he isn't. He's not the one who doesn't show up. He is the one who shows up. And as Paul says, he knows the timeline. He knows what needs to happen, when it needs to happen, how it needs to happen. But the one thing he's looking for is faith. What we don't want him saying is, that's a city that didn't have any faith. Therefore, I couldn't do any miracles in that city. The lack of miracles is not a Jesus problem. It is an us problem, right? It's an us problem, and it's not to discourage us. It's actually to remind us that we need to figure something out here. It's to actually say to us, we can't actually push the pause button and just coast through our faith and agree with the accuser and say, yeah, he doesn't heal today. Actually, we're meant to shift something, to change something, to walk in something. So I know Jesus wants to change all our journey, and he can. Why? Because he's powerful. Right? This scripture shows the power of Jesus Christ. It's the kind of faith that needs to return to the church. But if we go on and we read the second story, and I'm not going to read all these stories, because if we go through all of Luke forward here, we basically see Jesus on a journey. He's on a healing tour. Right? He is healing everybody. These common storms. He's doing everything, and he's doing all this for a reason. I think sometimes we miss the reason why he's done it. Sometimes we think it's just about us getting the thing we need. But this actual passage, I think, actually starts to let us understand, why does he do all this stuff? Because there's more to it. So now we're going to read a little bit about Jesus raises a widow's son. This is verse 11 to 17, and it says, Soon afterwards Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain with a great crowd following him. Can we just pause there for a second? Right? Why is there a great crowd following him? I mean, he's done something amazing. He's done something powerful. I want to see what he's going to do next. We're going to follow him wherever he goes. Let's follow this man. Let's see what goes on. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The boy who had died was the only son of a widow, and many mourners from the village were with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. So not only is he a God of power, but he's a God of compassion. He says to the woman, don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin, and he touched it. That's an interesting one, right? Because back then, you don't touch a coffin, right? Because it's unclean. But he chose to touch it. And it wouldn't be a coffin like we would see today. They would say it was probably a plank. And the boy was probably just laying on a plank. Then he walked over to the coffin, and he touched it. And the bears stopped. Young man, he said, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began talking to those around him. I'd love to know what he was saying. <laughs> Wouldn't you know? Like, can you think of this? Pop. Hey, what's up, guys? How are we doing, right? Honestly, I'd love to know what he was saying. Like, where did he go? What happened? What was the conversation like? We don't get to know that, but it's an amazing moment. As Jesus gave him back to his mother... Great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has risen among us, and we have seen the hand of God at work today. Oh, man, they got to see something powerful. And then it says this, and this is a scripture where sometimes I think we read these passages, and we'll stop right there, and we're going to focus pretty much on what just happened, because it's powerful again, right? There's a scripture here that I think is really powerful, Right at the end. It says the report of what Jesus had done that day spread all over Judea and even across its borders. Let me tell you something, church. We need the testimonies of what God has done. We need to be declaring what God has done for a reason. Right? The word, the healings, the deliverances declared all over the land. This is the very thing we need. We need to see this. You know what I'm believing for? And I said this at the beginning. I'm believing this is going to be an addiction-free zone. We're going to hear two testimonies today, right? Well, one specific one on addiction. We need to be shouting that from the rooftop. What I want going on is that people all across Spruce Grove... People all across Alberta have heard the stories of what Jesus has done in this church. That's what I want to see. Do we not want to see this? So, I've got a few people that are going to share some testimonies, and I think there's some powerful testimonies coming up. I'm trying to think who I want to go first here. Well, let's go with Mel. Mel, come on up. Why don't you share your testimony? So i got about four testimonies that are going to come, and there's a reason why I'm having these shared, and we're going to talk more about that. Well, Mm -hmm. let's see how it fits then. Yeah.
3: Yeah, we're going to make it fit. Okay, so hello, everybody. My name is Melody. (laughs) First of all, I just wanted to say, because there are new people here, uh, one of my testimonies is that I never would have thought I'd be standing here speaking in front of people. But that's the testimony of God. And he is so good. And so there's a testimony I want to share about uh, a person I love. And it's really interwoven with my testimony too. Because of how he calls us into things. And just like what we were talking about as we were praying and worshipping. We have to take that step forward. Into the unknown to see How amazing God is and what he does so we can be in his presence and so it kind of starts like I said I never would have been here but the Lord called me to do something a few years ago and, and now we're part of this ministry to Israel and so all these things kind of fit together you know but this testimony of this, of this person I'm going to share never would have happened if I wasn't obedient to step into what God was calling me to do. At least th- it wouldn't have happened with me involved anyways. And so I get the privilege of being able to share this testimony of this person, you know. And so God called us to get our house ready for discipleship. And we didn't, we didn't actually really even understand that at the time. But the other part was that he was saying, for this ministry, we're setting up this house of ministry in Israel, and it's called Kanata House. And that's also about ministry. And so I didn't even realize what was going on. But God had said, with this house of ministry, you have to involve the indigenous people. And furthermore, I want you to involve artists, indigenous artists. So I'm like, well, God, how is that going to happen? You're going to have to do that. I don't know how this is going to work. But once again, it's that stepping in and just saying, okay, God, you're going to have to do it because nothing in me can do it, even being a part of this ministry and leading this ministry in Canada now. And that was a testimony as well. And that was all about, okay, God, I don't see how I can do it. What in me, how could I do this on my own? God, you're the one who's going to have to do it. So, okay, God... I step in, yeah. because God, you're going to do it, because you're asking me to do it, and I know I can't, so you're the one who's going to have yeah. to do it, sure. right? This is the testimony of God, yeah. right? And so anyways, so then I said, okay, Lord, I don't know how you're going to uh, make this happen, but one day he said, and he, he always works out circumstances, right? Yep. Sometimes we don't even know that he's at work, but he is. He's always at work. We just have to be obedient and say, yeah. okay, God, you told me to do this. I'm going to do it. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to follow through. So anyways, this one day, I go to Edmonton, and um, I end up at this art gallery. So wouldn't you know it, that's where I meet this lovely person that um, is an artist, a budding artist, and she's indigenous. I'm like, wow, God, what are you up to? This is amazing. Anyways, we have this great conversation. Um, We end up actually buying a piece of art, which is beautiful. We go there to speak to them, and we just bring life to them. Well, unbeknownst to us, she had been praying. She had been clean now for three months. She had lost her children. She had four children. She still has four children, and they weren't in her life, and she was devastated. But the Lord said to her, and she said to God, God, I know... I know who you are. I've seen you at work. I've heard about you my whole life, and it's time for me to come back to you. You're the only answer. So God, can you bring me to church somehow? Oh, mind you, this is the other part of the story. She's from Winnipeg, and she ends up in Edmonton. Like, this is the amazing thing of God, and I happen to be there. And um, we buy this art and whatever, and she said, I knew you were a Christian. I could tell. Like, that's our testimony, right? Yeah, yes. That we can share Jesus just by being who we are. And she could tell I was a believer. And so, anyway, so we're talking to them, and, um, and she had been praying to God, would you bring somebody to bring me to church? I need to come to church. I need to go back to church because I need to get my life in order. I want my girls back. I want to live a good life. I want to live a life of abundance. And so anyway, so we bring her to church. We invite her, bring her to church, which was an answer to her prayer that we didn't know. And she comes here and she was touched by God. Now this was another thing, right? So why was she touched by God here? Because we were, you know, as we were singing, we were worshiping the Lord. As we worship the Lord, his presence falls, right? And this is also my testimony, too. As we step into anything that he tells us to do, we're stepping into his presence so that we are touched, And she's also touched because now we are praising God for all the amazing things that he's doing in our life and what he sees. And so then she is touched. And so anyways, after that morning, I said, I really believe you're supposed to stay with us. Would you ever consider staying? It didn't take her long. She said, okay, I'll stay. I'm like, wow. She said, yeah, my friend's going back to Winnipeg today. Okay, all right then. Well, let's go get your suitcases and bring you back to our house. So that's amazing. So that was, anyway, so she ended up living with us for four months over the summer. And, like, this is the testimony of God and all the body of Christ. So that very weekend, we went to a gathering. It was in Bonneville. And God touched her there. Why? Because we were worshiping in the presence of God who was there. Because we were remembering how faithful he is. And then we go to another gathering. We go, I don't know how many. It's just like one after, after another after another. And just being in our house because we have the privilege of bringing the presence of God and just bringing peace. His shalom, you know, where his presence can fall and can change a person's life. So it was, it was that meeting, and then it was another meeting, we went to Winnipeg, and then it was another meeting, and it was another meeting, and each one of these times, she was touched by God, and something broke. Things just kept breaking and falling off of her. These chains just kept falling off, and then and it was also the word of one of our brothers and sisters, in you know, all like scattered throughout these four months, that were obedient yeah. to say, you know, God loves you. He's got a call on your life, just to encourage her and bring her up, and just shedding these things that the enemy just had been pouring over her for years and years and years. So we all have. There were so many people that had a part to play in her deliverance. And then, and then the last meeting that we had together, I could just tell she was different. Something else had broken off, and she even testified. She said, "Yeah." You know, normally, I would have never gone over and talked to that person, but something in me just went over to her and put my arm around her, and we were like, "Sisters." She says, like, "That would have never happened. I never would have talked to that person, you know? And it's just, just amazing. And so this whole time, we'd been ministering to her because her ch- she wanted her children, she wanted her girls, but she was given no access for, for months. She couldn't talk to them. They wouldn't, uh, anyways, but God. And so we just heard from her just the other week. She had just spent a whole week with her girls, which is amazing. It's a miracle. It truly is a miracle. Yeah, yeah praise the Lord. And now, I mean, and she's getting ready, and she's like, okay, I mean, God's done that. Yeah right? God can do more. She wants to have them back and be their mother, you know, and have them in her house. And that will happen. As we just keep stepping in, God is faithful. And he shows us what he can do. And so she is still clean. She is beautiful. She is happy. And then on top of all that, like I said, uh, just uh, last month, we just came back from Israel. God had said, right, um, he told me, I see these beautiful, well, actually, I saw it. These beautiful, this artwork in Kanata House. And it's going to be artwork showing the testimony of our people overcoming addiction and everything else as a testimony to the people in Israel to be a blessing to say, this is how powerful God is. And w- when we overcome our offense, and a big one is our offense of Jesus as indigenous people. That he is the answer. And anyways, so she was a budding artist. We have three pieces of her artwork in Kanata House when we went. You know, and I said, God, I don't know. How is that going to happen? But he did it. And now we have all these pieces of artwork in Kanata House. And I know he's just going to bring more because this is his story. This is what he wants to do. All I have to do is be obedient and step in and say, yes, God, you can do it
1: so our jesus is powerful and he's compassionate that's what he does right i absolutely love this you know father right now we just lift up the prodigals to you all those ones that we can think of, Father, whether our kids, whether they're people we know, we call home the prodigals, God. Show us what our journey is with them, Father, but we call home the prodigals in Jesus' name. Can we say amen to that? Miranda, Sandra, are you ready for this? Maybe. We're going to find out, right? Okay, let's welcome these guys, man.
4: My name, is, my name is Miranda. This is my cousin, Sandra. Hi. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll start it, and then you can, I'll hand it over to you when you feel comfortable. Okay? Okay. <laughs> so several years ago, probably about three or four years ago, um, her brother, my cousin that I grew up with, Oh my God. It's okay. It's all right. Everything's good. <laughs> <laughs> he overdosed and died. And at his memorial service in Saskatoon, I hadn't seen Sandra for so long, like since we were kids, really. Teens. You were like 15 the last time I saw you. <laughs> and she was so sad. And she couldn't handle it, and she left. And she went outside, and as soon as she went outside of the, of the service area, God said, you have to go follow her right now. And I was like, but... I don't know what to say. <laughs> and so I, I went out anyway. Because that's what you do if God tells you to do something. <laughs> and I sat down beside her and then God was like, you have to actually offer hope to her right now and you need to say that if she wants to be clean, she can come live with you and you'll help her. And I was like, but... ah." Uh, <laughs> So I'm actually not qualified to do that, God. (laughs) And he basically was like, yes, but I am. And all you have to do is be the person that she's with. And all you have to do is provide the place. So first I asked my husband but I did tell him God told me. So then he was like, "Well." <laughs> and so we offered to her. And I don't think she believed me at first. <laughs> but we kept praying. And then she started calling me after we came back to Spruce Grove, and we kept praying. And then she started calling me more, and we kept praying together over the phone. And then her daughter started calling me. (laughs) And then God told us to sell our house and (laughs) save up some money and try to find a house that we could, that was big enough to house more people. And we were like, oh, okay. (laughs) I don't know how that's going to work, but it worked. And we bought a house that was really, really pink. So because (laughs) it was so pink, we were able to afford it. And and then we had (laughs) enough room all of a sudden. And I... We kept talking, we kept praying, and she kept calling every once in a while and asking for more prayer. And then her daughter came out all of a sudden, like really all of a sudden, to live with us about a year, almost, yeah, about a year and a half ago, the summer before last summer, no, the spring before last spring in May. And then her second daughter came out the month... After that, and then Sandra called and was like, "So I'm on my way to your place." (laughs) The month after that, and uh, do you want to tell this part because it's mostly yours, Um, your experience? So when you started coming out.
5: Okay. So um, I have two dogs and I rescued a turtle. So I actually my house got the house I was living in got sold and i actually my daughters actually didn't live with me they just showed up at my house like 6 months before they came to her house so it was like all god it was like my daughters just showed up at my doorstep and they're like hey can we stay here and i'm i live in like a basement suite with one bedroom so <laughs> so i have yeah it was it was pretty crazy um so yeah i i don't know it was um I didn't have a ride out there, so I was living with a friend, and I was still using. I wasn't clean. Um, So I finally got a ride, and on my way there, (laughs) I was still doing drugs, and I even did drugs right before I (laughs) knocked on her door. So I was literally stopped a block away, getting high, and, yeah. (laughs) And I knocked on her door, and I was like... Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm kind of high right now, so I don't really know <laughs> what you guys want to do with that. Um, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm really nervous. Um, <laughs> so um, I felt God put um, a glass over the house um, of protection. And then I got the joy of the Lord for, like, two weeks straight. Wow. I, I couldn't stop laughing.
4: Oh, three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so. It was insane. Yeah.
5: Um, my recovery was, like, super easy. Uh, it was, like, I, I couldn't, I didn't even really, like, um, go through withdrawals. Yeah. So it, w- it was
4: pretty crazy. I, I don't really. So she showed up, and we didn't know actually what to do, so we just prayed, and we were a little scared of the detox, to be honest, because I was like, I don't, like, you have a lot of animals, and and I don't know how to take care of them without you here, and she, I, I didn't know where or what to do. So we literally just, we prayed she was out smoking in the backyard and we went out there together and we sat on our back bench and we prayed together that's that's all we did and then we put her in the basement which i <laughs> there was no other place to put i felt bad about it but there, no there she just she laid there and i was like hey what are we going to do and then god supplied people to help build little rooms, and we got free beds, and we got new bedding, and like everything was supplied through prayer, and the body of Christ, this body meeting the needs as they came, and it was never opulent. It was always still work, and what I learned was that I always thought that when God gave us his love, that it would just be this overwhelming feeling that everything would be easy because you'd operate out of this wonderful like puppy love type feeling. But really what I learned was he'll say, I've given you the supply of love that you need. Now you have to step out in it, but you have to step out into it and then you'll get it. <laughs> so it was always just a choice. And so she lived with us for about a year and a half. She just, we got her own place now, and we're trying to set that up nice, and it's still lots of work, and she's doing all the work, and she hasn't ever, since she came to that, (sighs) that day that she knocked on our door was the last day she ever used drugs. There was, no, there was no going back. That's a miracle, because how long were you using drugs for? And um, I, I was addicted to
5: uh, crystal meth and heroin um, for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. I died probably about five times. I tried to commit suicide and God had other plans. Yeah, like I i literally, like I was clinically dead a couple times. I jumped out of a moving vehicle um, going 90 clicks down a highway. The only thing that connected was my face and I shouldn't be alive from that, but I am. <laughs> yeah, it, it was pretty crazy. Yeah.
4: So now we're praying in her daughters.
1: So we have a Jesus who is powerful and compassionate. She shared this with us in our home group last week, and, uh, you know, that is two people, Max being the other one. He shared his uh, testimony about a month ago, where God is actually delivering people at an accelerated rate off of drugs, right? And if you talk to most people, they'll say it's, it's almost impossible, right? I believe there's a window I think it's in front of us right now right so father you know what actually Miranda why don't you come and pray because it's the two daughters still right and they're both addicted correct yeah okay and so I'm going to ask her just to pray for them and I'm going to ask you to agree but we're actually going to start to pray for the addictions in our community that in this community they would start to fall off in a way that we've never seen it before. Right? I just believe it's going to happen. Right? I believe it's in front of us if we're willing to claim it. Right? So,
4: Heavenly Father, we come before you right now, humbly and with all the faith that we have. We ask for more faith, though. So. And we declare that you are Lord over Spruce Grove, that you are Lord over Alberta. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to come in and for you to fall on people's hearts and for you to lead them to yourself. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke the spirit of addiction and we rebuke the spirits of anxiety and we rebuke the spirits of of desperation and hopelessness and depression that are driving people into darkness instead of into light. And we say in the name of Jesus, we don't accept the darkness. And we speak now into the darkness and we say, Jesus' light is greater than the darkness. And we break, in the name of Jesus, all the strongholds of addiction and alcoholism over this area in the name of Jesus. We do not accept you. You are not welcome here, and we will not bow down to you. We will bow down to the living God, the only God, whose name is above all other names, and his name is above your name. And we thank you, God. We thank you for the salvations and the deliverances that you're going to bring in this area starting now. And Lord, we ask, we ask in your name that you would prepare us. We lay aside all of the things that would cause us to mess it up. Make us ready, Lord. Make us ready We love you, and we want everyone else to love you too, and we want to love you more. Thank you for the love that you have poured out on us, and Lord, show us how to facilitate pouring your love out onto everyone we see and speak with and touch. Let this house be a house of light. Let this house be a house of love. And let this house be where people come to be free. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: What's going on? See, what I'm really hoping happens today is your faith gets stirred. Because this is the thing the enemy does not want to see happen today. This is the very thing that Jesus wants to see happen, and I want to see it happen. If your faith can be stirred today, something will shift in our community. I'm going to tell you, this testimony, you need to be screaming it from the rooftops. Right? At the end of the service, we're going to pray. If there are people in here today with addictions, we are going to pray for you. And I'm trusting that people are going to start coming into this church on a regular basis, asking for prayer over addictions. Right? Saraya, you ready? Yeah? Oh, man. I'm excited. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself first and then give her.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm shaking. <laughs> um, my name is Soraya. Um, hi. <laughs> I just moved to Edmonton last year from Calgary. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> No, it's actually really cool. Um, Before I share the testimony, just with coming to Edmonton, um, I really felt like, um, the Lord is just so awesome, but he said that this is the land of oil, and I know Spruce Grove is separate, but I kind of see it all as the same, but he said that this is like the land of oil, and from Calgary, um, just my community in Calgary is very fiery, and he's like, do you know what happens when fire meets oil? And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, but um, he was saying that going, coming here uh, wasn't a saying goodbye. It was starting a bridging and that the Lord wants to bring unity to the church. He wants to <laughs> fulfill his word and he's bringing unity to the city of Edmonton, unity in Calgary. And he wants to unify both cities and we are a body. And so he just said that by going, it's a beginning of a bridging, a beginning of this bridging with both cities in Jesus name. So I'm Honestly, I never saw myself moving here, but 100% the Lord. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I just want to, can we just praise God for these past two testimonies? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, I have a testimony of healing Um, But I believe it's more than that. I believe the Lord wants to give fresh faith because I believe He's restoring generations. I believe He's writing a new line in generations. I believe He's doing a new thing, and I believe it's starting in family. Um, And so I have a testimony about my mom. My mom is a woman of God, Um, she um, grew up Catholic. Um, and then when I was 11, so I grew up going to Catholic school, hearing about Jesus. I loved Jesus from as a little girl, um, but I got filled with the Spirit when I was like a teenager. And um, my mom, when, she, when I was 11, um, she got diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I believe it was stage 3, so it was a later stage And I'm the eldest of three, and she sits me down, and she's like, Sariah, I'm dying. I'm going to die, and um, you're the eldest. I want you to take care of your siblings. And I'm 10 years older than my sister. So at the time, my sister was just an infant, um, and she's like, I'm going to die. I want you to take care of your siblings. If your dad wants to remarry, you need to let him. And yeah, this is what's going to happen. And so because of that, I had to grow up very quickly. Um... But um, she went for prayer and got filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. She said that when um, the body of Christ came, and I just see a theme there's the body of Christ coming together in all these stories. So the body of Christ came around her and prayed for her, and she said that she felt fire in her body. And um, she decided to go for surgery. She got a double mastectomy, but didn't have peace with chemo or radiation. Because she had seen her mom, my grandmother, pass away. Um, She had lung cancer, I think, and the chemo just like like finished her very quickly. Um, And so um, she was like, "Yeah, like I want the last memories that my kids have of me. Of, or I want to have hair. I want not to look like um, like death." And so um, she got prayer filled with the spirit. Felt fire in her body, had the double mastectomy, went back to get tests. There was zero cancer in her body. And when she got diagnosed, doctors gave her six months. And she's been going on 12 years now. 12 years. And yes, thank you, God. And um, the Lord has just been doing something new in her. And I really believe the Lord is just getting started with her life. Um I believe there like I just have such a heart for the younger generation but also for the older generation that God is doing something new he's not done it's not like you hit a certain age and you're done you're retired from the things of the spirit there is more we go from glory to glory to glory to glory And so I really believe, um, yeah, if there's anyone here contending for someone with cancer, um, Lord, I just agree with your word. Lord, I just agree. Lord, I just say, say the word. Say the word and they shall be healed. Say the word right now, Father, and they shall be healed in the name of Jesus. Your word is true. Your name is faithful and true. So we just agree right now and we just say, say the word right now in Jesus' name. Cancer be gone in the name of Jesus says, we just speak healing and, and order into every cell of the body in Jesus' name. Lord, we just take authority over the order in ourselves in the name of Jesus and declare full healing right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So that's just a part of my story. Thanks for listening. <laughs>
1: we got a preacher in our midst, eh? <laughs> My goodness. All right, here's the last one for today because there's many more in here, and I know it, right? Miranda Brown. Some of you have been following Miranda's journey on Signal and stuff like that, and so Miranda's going to come. Um, you know, a lot of this was inspired because on Wednesday, you know, something just opened up, yeah. and it just opened up with testimony after testimony after testimony <laughs> after testimony. Right? And there's something so powerful behind that. And I had felt that when there's faith in the room, that's when we can start to pray for the impossible prayers. Right? And we are going to see a shift. We are going to see transformation. We are going to see healing. Right? We are going to see addictions fall off. We're going to see it. Right? Church, this is going to happen. Right? So, Miranda, Sure.
6: I was like, "How do you be a closer to that?" Holy, holy. Um, yeah. Oh, I don't know what happened to my phone here, but let me pull this up. Um, I brought it up just in case I forget. There's a lot of numbers, but yeah, I I actually want to pull back a little bit from Wednesday night. Um, something something was happening in the atmosphere, and we just we were singing about the goodness of God and. That's an easy thing for me to sing about. That's kind of been my journey. My biggest revelation of who God is has been his goodness. And um, and so as we declared his goodness on Wednesday night, I was reminded of that scripture that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I was sitting there like having heard it a million times before having sung it before and and but i was like god what is why why did you connect the two of those things that that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and and he was just this is probably not rocket science for most of you but it was that aha moment for me that um that on the cross it was finished his blood already provided for all of these testimonies, for the ones that are yet to come, for the miracles that are going to take place in our community. Um, as we declare the goodness of God, our sound is going out and it's creating a shift in the atmosphere. And we we've heard these things, we believe these things, and but for me, it was like a new revelation of like a new level of revelation that that not only was it important that we declare what he accomplished on the cross and declare the blood like God don't let me ever get tired of singing about your cross like I, I remember hearing a worship leader one time say like I don't we I just we keep singing about the cross isn't this like basic elementary why do we have to keep singing and I was thinking to myself I remember in that conversation thinking God don't let me ever get tired of singing about your cross don't let me ever get tired of singing about your blood because it's actually your blood. It's the cross that actually provided for everything I would ever need. And, and and when he said it is finished, it was finished. And so, and I was like, okay, so what's the connection? And he's like, it's not, it's not enough. I mean, it's, his blood was enough, but for us to step To the next level of this thing, we have to confess with our mouth, and so it's like we overcome by the blood. It's done; it has already been accomplished for, and now I have to I have to take a step, and I have to come into agreement by testifying. I have to overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of my testimony, and so that was the revelation on Wednesday, and and so we just we sang about that for quite a while, and and I testified this very thing about my mom. She's watching right now, huh, Mom? I love you. Um, I'm sure she's on. I'm just guessing. Um, <laughs> I love you, Mom. Um, my mom was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in January of this year. And I remember my first conversation with her. And, uh, and she said, I, you know, she told me that she had been diagnosed. And, and, uh, and I said to her very, very aggressively um, when people people ask, do you have cancer? I just encourage you to say, I'm sorry, I don't have cancer and cancer doesn't have me. And from the very beginning, we were pretty aggressive about going after declaring the goodness of God over her body. And I shared it right away with all of the prayer warriors in this house. I sent a message to Lighthouse. She told her her, uh, prayer warriors at her church. And so there were many, many, many people praying across the country and declaring healing over her body. And, and so she began to take chemotherapy. Um, she did four rounds. They, they found two masses on her ovaries and a few spots near her um, bowels. And they wanted to shrink those away from her bowels before they talked operation because they, you know, if they go in there and there's masses near her bowels, they might have to remove her bowels, and she would have a colostomy bag for the rest of her life. And she declared, absolutely not that's not happening and so she she started to take chemo she did four rounds Um, those obviously shrunk enough that they were able to then go in and do surgery so in May of this year she had a full hysterectomy they removed her nursery and um which she didn't need I mean she was finished with me right (laughs) Woo! Um, and so um (laughs) you stop when okay I won't go there um (laughs) um and so they removed all the stuff, and they said they got it all. Like, they looked, and there was no trace of cancer. So, um, but they did two more rounds of chemo after that just to nip, you know, any longevity that that would return. variant is apparently an aggressive one. It, it's, you know, they say it comes back. We said absolutely not. And so um, anyways, since then, she has been kind of taking um, – she had a little bit of break. They were doing b- blood work every week. Sorry, is this too much information? <laughs> uh, I just, because there's something on all of it, but I, she was doing testing, getting blood work every week at that point because, you know, they're, they're keeping an eye on things. She started the chemo pill, which is basically a pill that they target a specific chem- uh, specific cancer. So many ca- uh, cancer patients have done a pill. Um, It either works or it doesn't. There's no in-between. And so she went on it. She feels incredible. I just have to say that all throughout the whole, you know, eight, nine months of chemo and surgery, my mother didn't lose a single pound. Um, The doctors were astounded. It didn't make any sense. She always had color. Um, She did lose her hair, but uh, she didn't lose any weight, and she wasn't nauseous at all the whole year, which is a miracle in itself. Um, It just, nothing, like, it didn't, other than the loss of hair, she didn't look like she had cancer at all, because, of course, we said she didn't. So, and not that we were in denial, we were just declaring something, knowing that, like, if the fact is, you know, she's been diagnosed with cancer, there's a truth that overrides that fact, and we just stood on that promise. And so um, these, these weeks of this pill, um, they do blood work every week to check how it's going. And a few weeks ago, they basically gave her a bad report. I don't know if it was two or three weeks ago now. And um, they basically sat her down and said, the numbers are going in the wrong direction. Um, her platelets um, were going down and her cancer marker was going up. Um, it didn't make any sense to her because she felt incredible, didn't feel bad at all. And so they, they said, basically, we've done all that we can do, and we're now talking about quality of life. And so she let me know that, and I was just like, this, this is ridiculous. It, it doesn't even line up. like It's like, she looks great, she feels incredible, and they're saying all the numbers are pointing to the fact that she still has cancer. And I said, so um, it felt to me like the enemy was trying to pull the wool over our eyes, trying to like trick us. You know, did God really say you're healed? It was one of those, you know, garden moments, and and so we just said we'll go to war again. And I remember her telling me that in that that meeting, she said to the doctor, "Well, I don't receive that. Like, thank you for doing all you can do, but I don't receive a death report. I'm I choose life. I'm gonna live." Is what she said, and and the doctor said, "Well, it's good to have." Positive thinking. And I'm, I'm like, you don't even know the half of it. Like, this is, this is, goes, it goes beyond. And so, last week, as I'm sitting in the airport, um, I had spent the weekend in Abbotsford ministering, and I was sitting in the airport waiting to catch my flight back, and my mom had just finished her tests for that morning, that week, and, her the week before her platelets were down to a low 17 which is not good um the the healthy marker is between 150 and 400 and she was at 17 and um her cancer marker like the marker that they I don't know what that means but the cancer marker when she first was diagnosed that number was at 10,000 by the end of chemotherapy it had come down to zero so she the, the cancer was gone and then this number started to to climb again, 30, 60, 90, 100, and it was now at, um, oh, I don't even remember. It was at, yeah, so it was at 17. So it was starting to climb. So it had, yeah, I'm getting all the numbers mixed up. It doesn't even really matter, but I do want to testify about this. But as I'm sitting in the airport, she said her platelets went from a low 17, a low of 17, um, to 366. <laughs> And so she, she's, she's in a healthy range for platelets now. And um, her cancer marker, which was 10,000, then went zero, and then climbed way back up. It went, it, two weeks ago, it was at 519. Last week, as I'm sitting in the airport, it was at 464. So that number is going down, and we're just declaring it's going to be zero. Yeah. It's just going to be zero again. And so... Um, this morning as I, as I knew I was going to testify this morning and, um, I was driving here and I was like, God, like, what, what do you want me to share? Like, obviously I'm not having any problems talking, but I, I had that song come to my mind, the, and this is interesting that Miranda's spoken to the darkness, is that verse out of, um, one, an old hymn, and it says, um, "I began to sing to my car. It was like, when darkness seems to hide his face, his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil." And I was like, "God, what does that even mean, within the veil?" And so, um, I looked it up. Hebrews six nineteen twenty. It says. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the veil where Jesus has already gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And I was like, God, you've already gone before me. You've already gone before her. You've already gone before us. And so even this morning as we sang, I'm stepping in, I'm stepping over. And for, for me at first, it was this invitation from him, step in, step over. It's like sometimes this thing is way out in front of us, this fear, this thing that we're battling, this thing we're believing for. And it's out there. And you know, sometimes we go in the opposite direction because of fear, discouragement, hopelessness. And yet little do we know sometimes that beyond that place, there is this, the breakthrough. It's like, if I will run, this sounds so odd, but if I will run in the direction of the fear, I, I, rather than, pull away from it because I'm terrified if I'll actually go in the direction of that thing. On the other side of that fear, on the other side of that diagnosis, on the other side of that addiction, as on the other side of that hopelessness, there's freedom, there's faith, there's wholeness, there's breakthrough. And so today I just declare that God, you are the God of the breakthrough. I declare that you are Belperazim, God of the breakthrough. And I just declare... Even as a house, as we've gone so many times after the sound of the house, releasing a sound, releasing a de- declaration of who God is, that sound, I believe it is going forth into our city. And for those that need a miracle in our city today, though, whether it's cancer, it's addiction, it's ho- hopelessness, it's suicidal thoughts, God, I thank you that your your blood has already provided for every bit of freedom, every bit of breakthrough, every miracle that would be ever needed. And God, for even... The those that don't know how to cry out to you for freedom, that don't know how to step in or step over this morning. God, we do it for them. We step in for them. God, we step over for them. And I thank you, God, that our sound goes forth like a tidal wave into our city, not of devastation, but of freedom and of hope and of wholeness. And I do declare in the, in the sight of God right now and on camera right now, that this will be, this is a cancer-free zone that people will come to this place, not only this room, this house, but to this city for healing and for wholeness and to be set free totally from the thing that binds them and holds them back in Jesus' name.
1: This is where we choose to take our focus off of what the enemy's doing and we focus on what our king's doing. And he's doing a lot of amazing things. So Father, we thank you for the testimonies we've heard today. May they inspire us to go forward on our journey. May they inspire us to take steps of faith. Today may it wake us up in a new way. A way that we haven't been awoken in a while. May our faith come alive. May we see that hope. May we fight for the things of our King. So, Father, have your way. I love you, Lord. I want to thank everyone that shared their testimonies thank you guys for being vulnerable and sharing some intimate details but I just just want to give glory to him can we just give him a clap offering just to thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Lord and the stuff we heard today is real. Let's not go oh I don't know I don't no no it's real. This is who he is. This is what he does. Let's go forward church. Let's follow him.